0: Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is The One Thing by Pastor Sean Wood. Lord, today I just pray that your word would find a place in each one of our hearts. I pray, Lord God, today that the Holy Spirit would take this word and that a harvest would come into each one of our lives. That's that's my prayer today. Father, we just open ourselves up and we surrender ourselves afresh to you today, Lord, that our ears would be open and our hearts would be open to hear from you. I want to begin by sharing with you a prophecy that was sent to me. Somebody shared a word. Uh, and just to let you know, nobody, th- this person, of course, had no idea what I was going to be speaking about. And, and just recently, uh, Simon, I, I, I hope you're listening this morning, but just, just recently, Simon sent me uh, a message he believed the Holy Spirit had placed on his heart. And, and I took that away and I prayed about it. And unbeknownst to Simon, that we would find ourselves where we are over the next couple of weeks uh, sorry, over last week and this week uh, where we would have been and, and the messages I would have been sharing. So I want to share the message that. Simon sent through me, I believe it's a word for this church. I believe it's a word for individuals in this church. It says there, there is going to be a explosive and a rapid increase of my presence in this place. For I have called you to be a separated people to my heart. That you would be people of my presence, my purpose and my power in this place. For God would say in these recent times of solitude, have I not done and will continue to do a work in your heart and your life? Have I not challenged your priorities and even the things that you say are important to me, that you would lay them down? Even the sin and the weights that so easily ensnare you, have not I done a work in you so that you can run with endurance the race and purpose that I have set before you, looking always to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. For indeed, I have called you to be holy as I am holy A people separated to my heart, my word and my presence. Allow my spirit and my presence to do what I desire to do in this place. Yes, have order, yes, have programs, yes, have plans and visions, but not at the expense of the importance of my presence and my spirit. For I desire for you to take my presence to your neighbours, your communities, your workplaces, so that people will know that you are my people and through you they will see and believe that Jesus is Lord. Amen. And if you want to hear that again, then please rewind this when you get the opportunity and go back and and listen to it. But that is, I believe, a message for us as this church. Now, I probably should have put out a warning sometime this week, but I decided deliberately that I wasn't going to. Uh, This morning, I, I just want you to know that what I've got to say is going to be somewhat uncomfortable. But it was uncomfortable for me too you see uh it's been amazing for me to watch uh, over the past number of years, and particularly in recent months, I've seen the Lord doing an amazing work. He, he's been doing an amazing work in my life. He's been doing an amazing work in my heart. I know He's been doing the same in the lives of people in this church and abroad in other churches. God is doing an amazing thing amongst His people. It's a, it, it is a it is a beautiful thing to behold how God is working. But one of the major things that God is doing right now uh, is that God is removing the In church life. For too long, friends, there's been grey areas. For too long, uh, we have been happy to be people with one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in the world. And I want you to know that God is removing that. We've been happy to kind of exist in what we have set up for ourselves as a demilitarized zone. We're in a spiritual battle and we think that there's neutral territory, a a demilitarized zone that we exist in. And God wants everybody to know that that is not the case. God is removing the gray and he is pressing the line and he is making us understand that there is one side or the other. Last week I spoke about holiness. The week before I spoke about men that chose their world and God is demanding of us as His people that we choose His world. I believe that's part of the message that's coming through that Simon received. We need to choose our world. I want to tell you today that my heart behind the Drawing Near series and we're going to continue the Drawing Near series over the next couple of weeks. I, I want to talk about prayer and the place of prayer when it comes to God. I want to talk about the Word of God and, and the place the Word of God has as we draw near to God. But we'll, we'll cover those things as time moves on because they're important to our spiritual life and they're enormously important to our relationship with God. But I want to tell you today that there's one thing. There is one thing today. I, I, if I could tell you that there was one thing. If you change this one thing in your life today, it will catapult you on a trajectory closer to God. What if I told you there was one thing? What if I told you that there was one thing you could do right now that would press you ever closer? I, my heart with withdrawing near series has been uh, uh, my message is not one standing at the top of the mountain calling to everybody to come up. My, my, my heart is that I'm standing at the bottom of the mountain. And my heart is that to encourage and to urge every one of us, l- l- let's go up. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I, I want more. I don't know about anybody else who's listening to me today, but I want more. I I don't want to slip into eternity wondering. I I am no longer satisfied with the foothills of the presence of God. I'm I'm no longer satisfied existing in the outer courts of the temple. I want to go into the holy place. I want to go into God's presence. I can't change anybody's life. I can't do that. But the presence of God can break yokes. The anointing and the presence of God can release communities. I can't do anything, but God can do miraculous, supernatural, powerful, wonderful things we were not created to live at distance from God. We were not created to settle for the outer court. We were never created to, to exist at the bottom of the mountain and be happy for the happy few to go to the top of the mountain. We've kind of existed in a, in a mediocre kind of Christianity that has allowed us to live in the bottom foothills of the mountain of God. And we've been happy to send a few dedicated people that were willing to pay the price. We're, we've been happy to send them up the mountain and, and tell Tell us what it's like up there. Well, I want to let you know today that you can go up there and find out for yourself. And I want to encourage you today because if you're sitting here today and you're thinking to yourself, I have messed up terribly and I'm terribly messed up. Well, I can tell you now, you're nowhere near as messed up as what I am. If you think you're messed up, you're going to have to get a ticket and get it at the end of the line. God likes messed up people. Read the Bible. God's got a heart for messed up people. Which is enormously encouraging for people like me. I want to tell you, I want to make a statement today and I'm going to prove it in the life of the person that we look at today. I want to tell you today that you can encounter Christ and go away disheartened. I want to tell you that there's one thing that each one of us need to embrace, but it's also the one thing that certain Christians over history have have kind of been lacking. The guy we're going to look at today, he's lacking this one thing, and he's not on his own. Just recently, I'm going to leave some names out, but... Just recently, one of the lead songwriters for Hillsong put his hand up and said, you know what, for me, uh, I'm out. This Christianity thing doesn't make sense and, and I'm out. And this is not a reflection on Hillsong or anything like that. That's, that's not what this is. But, but this guy put his hand up and he said, you know what, uh, science has got all the answers and, and Christianity just doesn't seem to add up for me and I'm out. And I'm going to tell you that the one thing I talk about today, the one thing that uh, I can tell you now, this guy lacked it. Uh, uh, Just recently, uh, another very prominent Christian figure, a guy by the name of Joshua Harris. I only use his name because some of us here may have read his book, "I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Um, uh, Interesting book. He now comes out and says, my book was wrong and I was wrong about Christianity. He, he, was the leader of, he was a leader, a pastor in an evangelical church. He says, I'm wrong, I'm out. <laughs> Interesting. He also lacked the one thing I want to talk about today. I have, I, I have known and I have heard of people in the ministry. This affects people on all demographics. This is, this is not just people who attend church every now and again. This is people from all demographics. It's affecting people. But I, I've known pastors, ministers, uh, leaders, church leaders and, uh, uh, that have put their hand up after a long time and said, I'm out. I can't do this anymore. And for many of them, when you scratch beneath the surface, they're, they're missing this one thing as well. If you got your Bibles with you, I pray you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 19 today. And I want to talk to you about a man that encountered Jesus and this man will go away disheartened. Some people have gone away from Jesus disheartened just recently. For some of us in church pews, God is, God is an inference. He's a, he's a deduction, says Tozer. We, we, he's a deduction of... Of rationale. We kind of, for for many of us, God is just sounds reasonable, so therefore we accept it. But God wants to be more than that in your life. God wants to be more than an equation to you. God wants to be more than a set of rules in a book. God wants to be more than a good way to live your life. God wants to be more than a free ticket to heaven. Jesus didn't come to give free tickets to heaven, that's not why Jesus came. God didn't come into our mess and take all of our burden just so we could hand out free tickets for the train to heaven. Uh, That's part of it, friends. And and an eternity with God is absolutely uh, part of it. And thank God for that. But Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. Christ Jesus came to redeem us from the mess that we have created. And we continue to create. If you've got your Bibles, I pray you turn to Matthew chapter 19. We're going to start in verse 16 this morning. It says, and behold, a man came up to him. A man comes up to Jesus. And, and this man, we, we, we get little bits of more information in Mark that we don't get in Matthew and also in Luke. Uh, but what we do learn about this man is he's a young man. We, we learn that he's a rich man. We learned that he's quite wealthy. He's a prominent leader. Uh, uh, He would be a a, a leader of a local synagogue. This guy would have enormously high social standing. When this guy goes into the marketplaces, people would stop and go out of their way to say hello. Kind of what they do when Terry goes down the streets. I've got to say hello to Terry because he's awesome. This guy is the first century picture of somebody that's got it all together. From the outside looking in, he's got it all together. Everybody's looking at this guy going, uh, uh, this is success walking down the road. And the very sad thing about this rich young ruler is not only does he not have it all together, he knows he hasn't got it all together. He knows we're going to find out. He knows he's missing something. Do you know there's people right now listening to me and as you're listening to these words, you think, you know what? I, On the outside, it looks like I've got it all together too, Pastor. Uh, you know, I've got a good job. We've got a, we've got a healthy-sized bank account. We own our own house or we're paying off our own house and, and we're all in good health. We've got it all together, but I'm missing something on the inside. Something that dry, legalistic, r- rule-keeping... Religion can't get you. Every one of us are yearning on the inside for something that just Sunday church is never going to fill for you. It's a lesson that this guy's about to learn. And the sad truth is that right now, church pews are full of rich young rulers. People that seem to have it all together. People that, that seem to have it all together on the outside. We, we're, we're good at wearing our Sunday get up, aren't we? Mm, I'm not talking about the clothes that you get out of your wardrobe. I'm talking about the masks we wear. I'm talking about our spiritual makeup. We're, we're good at rolling in on here on a Sunday and we're looking good, Pastor. Yeah, look at how spiritual I am. I'm waving my hands and I'm dancing. You, you ever seen Harold dance? Huh? Go, you good thing. This rich young ruler, he could, he could blend into any church today. That's the problem. You know, there's something about living near to God that, that just points out how much we're missing. The closer you get to God, you realise there's gaps in your life. The closer you get to God, you realise there's something incompatible. Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter six says, in the year that King Isaiah died, Isaiah says, I, I saw the Lord and the train of his robe filled the temple. Imagine that. The train of his robe filled the temple. And, and what's Isaiah's reaction? I'm a man of unclean lips. Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. Oh, I'm going to die. <laughs> Peter's in the boat. They haul in all that fish. Everybody else is in the boat. Peter's the only one that turns around to Jesus and says to Jesus, away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Peter had his eyes opened. Peter, for a moment, grab hold of this. Peter, for a moment, got a glimpse of who it was that was sitting in the boat with him. And <laughs> Peter says, oh, I've got a problem. John sees Jesus in the book of Revelation. He says, I fell, fell down like a dead man. Hang on. Weren't you with him for three years? Yeah, not this Jesus. He's got eyes like a flaming fire. He's got, he's got hair as white as wool. Wow. When he speaks, it's like, an, it's like thundering waters. I can remember standing next to the gorge in, in Launceston, Tasmania, in full flood, and you can't hear the person next to you talking. That's, that's what John heard in the book of Revelation. This rich young ruler here, he thinks he, he's put on, we've got it all together. There's so many people today sitting in church pews saying we've got it all together. But, but, but have a listen to this guy. And behold, a man came up to him saying, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you two mistakes right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to outlay two mistakes that this rich young ruler has made. Just in that statement. <laughs> two mistakes that he makes is the first one is, uh, Timothy Keller highlights this beautifully. Uh, he says, the first one is that he thinks Jesus is something you add to your life. <laughs> so many people today think that Jesus is a cool addition to our lives. Oh, well, you know, I've got a great job and, you know, I've got my, two, my, my 2.4, I pay my taxes, I do everything well, I'm in good health and I'm just going to tack Jesus on the end of my life. You don't tack Jesus on the end of anything. Friends, I want you to know that. Jesus doesn't get tacked on. Jesus is not an addition to your life. You know, when you go to uh, uh, when you go to Maccas, you know, and you're on the you're putting your order in and you've got to you know add. There's no addition here. Jesus is Jesus is not an addition here. <laughs> For those of us that go to Maccas. For a McHale burger. <laughs> No, no, no. Second mistake is he thinks that Christianity is something you do. So many people fall into this trap. So many people reduce God down to what it is that we do. So many people think that a relationship with God looks like, yeah, no, I I, I turn up at church on Sundays. I, I go to life group and yeah, no, no. How often do you think about him? How often do you talk about him? Do your workmates know that you're in a relationship with the creator of the universe? Did, does your life display that? Did, you see, this guy here, he thinks that Christianity is something that I do. And I've just got to add Jesus to my life. I've just got to, I've just got to add this little line on my resume. No, friends. Friends, it's time to lose our, our religion. That was the message to Nicodemus, by the way. Nicodemus comes and sees Jesus in John chapter 3. He says, good teacher. Uh, he, he knew he was missing something as well, but he found what he was missing, by the way. You read the end of the Gospel of John and Nicodemus finds what he was missing, but you can, you can see it because it shows up in his life. But the message to Nicodemus is, dude, you've got to lose your religion and be born again, man. You're going to have a whole new radical concept of what a relationship with God looks like. It's now not based on what you do. It's about being renewed. Hmm. What good deed must I do to have eternal life? You see, religion asks of God, what must I do? A relationship asks of God, who are you? That's how to know the difference. Religion is always seeking, what can I do? Relationship seeks to know who he is. Who are you, God? I want to know you more. I'm not satisfied with the bottom of the mountain anymore, God. I want to I know you more. That's, that's kind of what Moses says. It's time for us to, to lose our religions. And he goes on in verse 17, and Jesus said to him, or he said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? Why did you call me good? Something happens. We need to stop. Whenever, whenever God asks us a question, we need to stop. God, God's asking this guy a question here. And it's, it's actually a pivotal question. And nearly everything I want to say this morning pivots on the answer to this question. Because what is happening here is Jesus says to him, Why do you call me good? You see, goodness, the the word in the Greek here, that kind of goodness, that's reserved for God alone. You've come up and called me good teacher. You're ascribing divinity to me. You're saying I'm God. And Jesus wants him to answer this question because if you're ascribing divinity to me, we need to have a completely different conversation. But the fact of the matter is, Had this man ascribed divinity to him, they would have had a different conversation. It goes to highlight the truth of the matter is, this rich young ruler has no idea who it is that's standing before him. Why do you call me good? I'll read you a quote from A.W. Tozer. Tozer says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Let me read that for you again what comes into our minds when we think about god is the most important thing about us he has the king of kings and the lord of lords standing before him and he's got no idea him along with so many other people to this to this rich young ruler jesus really is just another teacher jesus really is just a, a, a maybe another prophet a good teacher a rabbi But had he known it was God standing before him, they would have had a different conversation. I want to ask you today who is it that you pray to? Who is Jesus to you? The most important question in the universe is who do you say I am? That's the most important question Jesus asked his disciples. Who do you say I am? I don't care what other people say. What's it? Who, who do you say I am? And how we as individuals answer that question determines how we approach God, determines how we treat God, determine, it'll, it'll determine the trajectory of your life. Jesus and this rich young ruler should have been having a completely different conversation. But have a look at the conversation they have. And He, he says to him, he says, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And for many of us, the answer is the same. And he said to him, which ones? Now, what Jesus is saying to this guy is, well, you know the commandments, you, you keep the commandments. You want, you want eternal life? You keep the law. The law highlights two things, friends. <laughs> One, it highlights the reality of sin in our hearts. And it highlights the second thing. We're powerless in our own power to do anything about it. We cannot create a righteousness on our own. We, we can't do it. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. We need a saviour. That's what the law highlights. The law brings a knowledge of sin. It brings a knowledge of our distance from God. It brings a knowledge of our need before God for Jesus to come and take all of our mess and to take away all of our sin. For many of us, a relationship with God is all about the commandments it 's all about keeping rules it 's all about what do I have to do it 's all about formulas it 's all about programs it 's all about it 's all about what do I have to do i'll just i 'll just we'll, we'll add another song in worship i 'll pray for another ten minutes each and every day although that 's a good thing friends formulas you can 't reduce God down to a formula you can 't reduce a relationship down to dry rote rule keep Legalistic religion can't do it. If for many of us here that are married or thinking about marriage, how many of us know that marriage is not about what you do? Now if I if I was to ask a guy, what is marriage all about? If, if a gentleman answers me, well, you know, I go to work and I earn the money and, you know, and I, I need Saturdays to play him a football and, and when I get home, I want tea on the table and da, da. da, da. How many people know that he's not describing marriage right now? <laughs> Many of us, uh, many of us, however, describe a relationship with God that sounds like that. Sounds all about what we do. Well, you know, a relationship with God is I do this and I do that. And not about how glorious He is, not about how wonderful He is. How many people know that when I ask a husband, what is a marriage all about? He should say, a marriage is, a marriage looks like me cherishing and single heartedly devoting myself to another person for, until death do us part. Doesn't matter what happens in my life, all the good and all the bad, I'm going to be devoted to this one person. That's what marriage is. That's what marriage looks like all the stuff that happens in a marriage is a result of a love the, what is required of both the man and the woman in marriage is to have a single heart and a single eye for each other when you, when you enter into marriage you say there's nobody else for me I'm going to cherish you alone you're the most important a, a marriage for the male should be when I go to work she's all I think about she consumes my thoughts. You know, when I'm sitting in the crib room having lunch, I, I, I just talk about her all the time. Why? Because, friends, this is a lesson we need to learn. What it is you love, what it is you cherish, what it is you value drives your life. You want to know what it is you value the most right now? Have a look at the surface. What do you think about the most? Who do you talk about the most? What occupies your thoughts? How many people know that a marriage is not going to last long if it's all about what I do? It's interesting that when marriages find themselves in trouble, here's the language you hear. I don't know what the problem is. I bring a paycheck home every week. I'm home at five o'clock. I mow the lawns. I do it. How many people know that's not what your wife wants? How many people know that your wife will trade in a heartbeat long grass for you to just cherish them? That's what God's saying to his church right now. All these peripheral things, they're good, great, awesome, no problems, but cherish me, says God. What was the question that Jesus had for Peter? The question that Jesus had for Peter was, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Why, Peter? Because it's the most important thing right now. The most important thing that Jesus spoke to Peter about wasn't about all the mistakes he made. There was no I told you so's. There was no rubbing his nose and everything that that had gone wrong. No, no, no. Jesus just wanted to talk about the affections of his heart. Jesus wanted to talk about what it was that he cherished in his life. What's the difference between Peter and Judas? One of them loved Jesus. That's what the difference is, friends. Yeah, preach that one, pastor. What's the difference between those that turn their back on Christianity and those that don't? There's a love relationship. You see, when there's a love relationship, friends, it doesn't matter. A love relationship will see you through the hard times, the dry times with God. Dry times will come. Affliction will come. There will be times when storms hit your boat, but it's all about a love relationship with God. So many people today, here's the number one thing. The number one thing that was missing in so many people's lives is a love relationship with the Creator. You keep the commandments. He said to him, he said, well, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honour your father and mother and you shall love your neighbour as yourself. All horizontal commandments. There's, there's five commandments that are horizontal and five commandments that are vertical. That do, that five deal with our relationships with each other. Five deal with our relationship with God. Jesus doesn't reference any of the ones concerning the relationship with God. Did you notice that? Jesus did. We've gone right past the question that Jesus asked to open him up inside of his own heart. What do you call me good? A relationship with God for this rich young ruler was all about what he did. It was all about keeping rules. It was all about outward appearances. The young man said to him, he said, all these I have kept. Ha, what, a, what a bold statement. All these I have kept. What do I still lack? What's the rich young ruler saying to Jesus? He says, you know what, I he says, I've tried religion, Jesus. How many people are how many people are listening to me today? They're saying the same thing. And I said, Oh, you know what? I've tried religion. I'm unsatisfied. I tell you now, religion will leave you unsatisfied. Rule keeping will, keep, will leave you unsatisfied. Nothing short of a loving relationship with the Creator. Everything else will leave you completely unsatisfied. This rich young ruler saying to Jesus, I'm unsatisfied, man, I'm missing something. I've kept all of these commandments. I've, I've got all this wealth. I'm a rich young ruler. I speak with authority. People listen to me. People like me. But I'm missing something, Jesus. Yeah, he's missing something, all right. truth is, many people would... How many of us would come to Jesus and say, what do I still lack? Hmm. What do I... What do I still lack? Something's missing. Jesus tells him that there's one thing that he still lacks. You know, at this point in time, the Gospel of Mark tells us that Jesus looks on this rich young ruler and he has compassion for him or he looked upon him and loved him it says Jesus you're, you're so glorious Jesus said to him if you would be perfect now the word perfect there is not a reference to completely sinless no, no no that's not the reference here if you would be perfect or if you would be whole or if you would be complete so many of us are incomplete so many of us are are not whole and Jesus says, if you would, go and sell all that you possess. Uh, I want to tell you today, there are people here that need to put a for sale sign on certain things in their lives. The first command of Jesus is go and sell. The first, you, you, go and sell what it is that you have. Uh, and by selling, there is an abandonment. There is a, there are the, now, uh, if you take scripture in a wooden literal sense, people will be running out and and mortgaging their house and selling their cars. And that's not what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is not talking about a physical reference. He's talking about a reference point in this man's heart. First thing you need to do is you need to let go of the world. That's what we spoke about last week. That's the sell part. You need to to release your grip on all of this stuff. You need to release your grip on this life and on this world and and on the pleasures that this world offers. What was the message of life? What what did Paul say to the Galatians? You know, we always think that holiness is what we subtract from our lives. Uh, Holiness is more about what you add to your life. Uh, Paul said it like this when he wrote to the Galatians. If you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. What's Paul saying? Uh, You're getting caught up on what you can subtract from your life. Just focus on walking by the Spirit. Just focus on conducting your life by the Spirit. Now, you have to let go, friends. What did Moses do in Egypt? He had to let go of Egypt. He had to let go of Pharaoh's house. He had to let go of all the pleasures. I'd rather be numbered with these slaves... That's what Moses was saying. I'd rather be numbered with these slaves. I'd rather bear their reproach and their hardship than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. That's the first recommendation to the rich young ruler. And that's the first recommendation that that comes to our hearts. Let it go. So many of us are like Rockefeller. How much more? Just a little bit more. If you would be perfect, go and sell. Abandon. Sell what you possess and, and give to the poor. Now, this is not an attack on anybody. We are considered to be the rich in the Western society. If God has blessed you, then God bless you. This is not a message to what you possess. This is a challenge to what it is we allow to possess us. That's the challenge here. You see, the problem with this rich young ruler was, and we're drawing close to that really important one thing now. There's one word that we're going to hit on in a moment that highlights what the problem with this rich young ruler was, and it's the word treasure. Here's what, here's what Jesus Is how Jesus said it. Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, sell what you possess, give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. What is the message to this rich young ruler? Change your treasure. Change what it is you value. Change what it is that drives your life. Change what it is that you treasure. (laughs) Your life is under pursuit constantly of more, more social standing, more leadership, more wealth. Now you want to add Jesus more. You just want to add more religion, add more status, add more to your resume. Jesus says, abandon all of that. What did Paul say? Paul, who had one of the greatest resumes amongst all of the apostles, by the way. If there was a guy that was qualified, it was Paul. And what Paul says to the Philippians, I threw all those qualifications against the wall. What? Or he kind of said it like this. I count everything but done. R- done, literally done, poo-poo, Paul says everything I was, everything I had, all my aspired learning, all that I had aspired to in the law, he says as far as keeping the law, I was blameless, yeah, Paul, he was, he, he was the rich young ruler all over again, but Paul did something the rich young ruler failed to do. Paul let it all go. He says, I count it all but done for the greatest worth in the world, the increasing knowledge of Jesus. Paul changed his treasure. Problem with Western society today? Friends, we need to change our treasure. We're wrapped up treasuring the wrong thing. Is driving our lives in the wrong direction. The one thing right now that you can do is change what it is that you treasure. Change who it is that you treasure. Change what the number one priority is for you. Change who it is that you think about. Change who it is that you talk about. Change who it is that occupies your heart. Uh, uh, wonderful, wonderful Delwyn sent me a, a, a meme, but it's beautiful because it sums it up. It, it, I loved it, it was golden. It goes like this Religion is sitting in church thinking about fishing, relationship is being out fishing thinking about God. Thank you, Dylan, because that was golden. That's exactly what changing your treasure looks like. That's, what it, that's the fruit of changing the treasure in your life. Your life is going in a different direction. I'm not saying you shouldn't buy a house. I'm not saying you shouldn't get married. I'm not saying don't buy that car. Friends, God bless you. But we have allowed too much stuff to clutter up our hearts. God can't fill us because we're already full. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. That was the message from last week. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Jesus also said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. You want to know why you're empty? You want to know why you're missing? You want to know why so many of us have a lack? Because we're full. Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled or they shall be satisfied. So many are, are turning their backs on Jesus, unsatisfied. Why? Because your hearts are full of everything else Jesus can't get in edgeways. Smith Wigglesworth, some people... Didn't really like his theology, but it was pretty simple theology. It sounded a little bit like this. If you want to be full of God, you have got to be empty of everything else. We all want to be full of God. We sing songs, fill us, Holy Spirit. We we pray it in our prayer meetings. Fill us, Holy Spirit. We want to be full of you. And the whole time God's going, make some room for me, will you? Fill me, God. Fill us to overflowing. God goes, sure, no worries. Just make a little bit of room. Change your treasure. Make a little bit of room for me. Maybe our prayer should not be God fill us. Maybe it should be God empty us. You know, if we're empty, God will fill us. We're hungry for far too many different things apart from God. John Piper put it like this. He says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. We seek our satisfaction in so many other places. We hunger and thirst for so many other things apart from standing in the presence of God. Friends, this is not a secret. It's the open secret. This is not some hidden gem in the word of God. It's everywhere in the Bible. Friends, if we, we, if we will change our treasure, if we will empty ourselves, God will fill us. I want to read to you two parables. are not going to take very long. These parables are found in Matthew chapter 13. I want to bring this to a close today. Friends, if you're looking for an ABC this morning, if you're looking for step one, step two, step three of how it is that we change our treasure, there's no steps. There's one step. One step. I want to share it with you. Have a listen to what Jesus says in verses 44 and 42 parables in two verses. And they're very profound parables. Verse 44 of chapter 13, it says, the kingdom of heaven is like, Jesus did this all the time. He used the word like. I'm going to teach you a deep spiritual truth by giving you a physical analogy. That's a parable. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. You know, until you see the value in that treasure, you ain't gonna sell nothing. Now, now, Let me give you an example of what that looks like. uh, I remember watching a show called, uh, it was about pawnbrokers in America. Guy walks in with a guitar. It was a popular brand guitar. It slips my mind now. Guy walks in and says, you know, I've got this guitar here. And uh, you know, I want about two and a half, three grand for it. Oh, okay. Now I'm looking at the guitar and I'm thinking I'll give you about 250, 300 bucks for it, you know. why? Because I don't see the value that he does. Here's the thing, he didn't see the value of it either. Because the pawnbroker's looking at it and he says, I I I want to get somebody in to have a look at this guitar. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. Get a professional in to, to evaluate it. That's, that's a great idea. And when the professional comes in it's, and it's a rare model guitar used and signed by a musician, the price almost hit triple figures. And for so many of us, God is that $2,000 guitar when he should be the $200,000 guitar. And the message of this parable is, when you find that treasure, you'll sell everything. Why did the rich young ruler go away disheartened? It says here, if you you keep on reading it on, he went away disheartened because he had much wealth. Why did he go away disheartened? Because he was unable to see the value of who it was that was standing before him. The, The biggest problem, the pandemic that's in the church right now, here's a pandemic and coronavirus isn't the pandemic. That's not the pandemic. The pandemic that's in the church right now is our churches are filled to the brim with people who can't see the infinite worth and value in Jesus. So we don't sell anything. For too many of us, Jesus is that $2,000 guitar. Verse 45 again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, what does he do? One pearl, great value. What does he do? He went and sold all that he had and he brought that one pearl. Here's the one thing that you need to do today. You need to go and sell all that you have and give of your life over fully to God. We all need to do this. This is, not a, this is not a one or two of us. This is all of us. This is not a one-time event. It's a posture of our lives. I remember when I was young, I used to do deer shooting in Tasmania. Deer season doesn't go for, for overly long time, but there's a lot of deer in Tasmania and there's some champion stags. My stepfather loved deer shooting. He used to go deer shooting all the time. There's a term in deer shooting called a silver bullet. And a silver bullet's where somebody goes the whole season without pulling the trigger. And I can remember day after day, weekend after weekend, trudging through, a, 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 trudging through the bush. I don't know how many times he would he'd have, a, he'd have a, a huge stag in the scope. Mm, there'll be a bigger one. Surely there'll be a bigger one. No, there's got to be a bigger one than that. And he goes, uh, he he lines it up. No. And he fails to pull the trigger. Our churches and our lives resemble a silver barrel. We go through our Christian life and we're happy to just kind of, we're happy for the hunt. We're happy for the inferences. We're happy for all of these things. But we go through our lives and we never pull the trigger. My stepfather never pulled the trigger because he couldn't see the value in the stag that was at the other end of the scope. And we don't pull the trigger because we fail to see the value of the one who fills us. Friends, the one thing we all need to do is pull the trigger. What's stopping you? The one thing stopping you being closer to God is you. I pray, I pray God would empty us so that he, he could fill us with his presence. Friends, we have occupied the bottom of the mountain too long. We've been satisfied with the outer courts for too long. It's time for us to leave the foothills And press on up into God, but we've got to pull the trigger. Let's pray. Father God, I pray for everybody that's listening to me today. I pray, Lord God, you would empty us. I pray, Lord God, that we would pull that trigger. I thank you that you're loving. I thank you that you're merciful. I thank you that you're graceful. I thank you that you're patient. I thank you that you loved us first. Every one of us, you loved us. While we were your enemy, Jesus, you said, I'm going to go to the cross and take away all of your sin. That's how amazingly, astoundingly, gloriously beautiful you really are. I don't care what the world says. I don't care how they use your name in vain. To me, you are that $200,000 guitar. To me, you are that pearl of infinite price and worth and value. But I pray, Lord, that you would forgive me and forgive each and every one of us that we don't value you enough. us, Lord. I pray for a hunger. I pray for a hunger that fills our hearts, Lord God, and drives us to the top of the mountain. I pray that you help us change our treasure. In your wonderful name. Amen. And amen. As I said, I, and as I say every week, if you, if you need to contact us, then that link will come up at the bottom. It's www.therock.org.au contact. God bless you, friends. And I pray he keep you and that you would know his peace. And I'll see you next week. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today, and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.